So, there's something I want to address. This podcast is kind of in this weird area where I don't know what to do with it because my partner, who I started it with, uh, no longer wants to do the podcast. So, and we're gonna I'm gonna try to do it with another friend of mine who's been on the podcast. Her name's Michelle. But as it stands, I don't know if it's still called Pilot Boys. That's something that I wanted to address. Well, anyway, here's the show. Welcome to Pilot Boys, the podcast where we review the first episode of the TV shows, otherwise known as the pilot. My name is Caesar. I'm Michelle. I was on the Barry podcast. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Right? So today we're doing Patrick Melrose, which is a new Bendy Dick Cumbersnatch show. Patrick Melrose is a new Showtime drama, and it was created by Edward Berger, and it's developed from books by Edward St. Aubin. And I wanted to do it because Michelle and I used to be big-ish Sherlock fans, I would say, right? Back in the the Super Hulock days, the Tumblr Super Hulock days. Remember that? Jesus Christ, why... How do you feel about Sherlock now? How does it age for you? Sherlock? Did you watch that video I sent you? No. I completely forgot about it. But, I mean, I think the first... What season was it that they ended on? It was the fourth season? The one with the sister? Yeah, they ended the fourth season, right? Yeah. Yeah, fourth season was trash. Yeah, it was not good. I will say that. Fourth season was trash. Yeah, first season and second season were really good. I will say that. Third was like... Mm, mm. Well, what does Sherlock mean to you as like a as like a depressive kid from the Tumblr era? As a Sherlock Whovian? What did it mean to me? I mean... What do you think it was about Sherlock that resonated so much with that generation? Like that era, like the 2000. 10 12 13 era i think it was just kind of like he's not a conventional person in general and i think that's why it resonated so well with people or well, why it resonated so well with like for me it was just kind of like for me it was more about his relationship with watson uh-huh. like that's what got to me because i was like oh my god that's so beautiful they like care about each other and stuff like that. Okay. And it's also, like, tied to Doctor Who for you. Because the guy who was, like, running Doctor Who at the time. Or... Well, that's the whole Doctor Who lock thing. Like, every single, like, show kind of has, like, that whole, like, relationship between, like, one character that's, like, either, like, kind of weird or kind of, like, zany. Is it, like, the homoeroticism of it? Well, no, for me it wasn't. I mean, for people it was. If we look at it through, like, queer theory, like, is that what it is? I mean, for a lot of people, yeah. There is something so specific about that era of Tumblr, like, the Tumblr era, which was, like, they love nerdy shit, and they love queering it, like, they love making it homoerotic. And a lot of those people that came from that era was like, like, all of a sudden they're like big queer. They love like queer stuff. Yeah. Well, I thought it was weird of the supernatural because I mean they're brothers, 
But there was a lot of that. Yeah. I wonder what it was. I enjoyed Super Who Lock, which is interesting because every single one of those shows, I watched them because of you. Uh-huh. And I was never as big a fan of them as I was, as you were. Uh-huh. Because I saw, like, the hokiness for some, like, for Doctor Who, the hokiness just kind of killed it for me. Yeah. It, it didn't age well for me at all. Like, it was cool, but, like, I just got kind of tired of it. And Sherlock I enjoyed because it felt a little more serious. But it's just, I don't know, something, like, the magic was kind of lost. And then, like, because I was just like, oh, Sherlock's been good. But then I started seeing, like, things about, like, why people didn't like it. And I'm like, wow, did I really miss these things? At the same time, like, I was still, I didn't consume and examine media the way I do now. Like, now I think about media in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see if I would still like it after I already knew the criticism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I still would. Mainly because, like I said, for me it was about like the relationships. And not like the whole clearing of the relationships. It was just kind of like a... I don't know. It was just sweet to see people care about each other. Like in that sense. This sounds so cheesy. But yeah. See, so that's the thing. You're not familiar with the criticism. But like, what you're saying right now, they would be like, that's total bullshit. Because he treated Watson like shit. Like, he absolutely treated him like shit. And he was just obsessed with himself. Like, he didn't care about anything else but himself. Sherlock? Yes. I mean, at first, yeah, but, like... No, like, since the beginning. Well, that's what I said. At first, yeah, but I feel like they built that relationship. Yeah, see, I don't know. Like, this is spoilers for the third se- fourth season, but... Like, he literally just kills himself for no reason. Just to play a prank on him. Like, there's... There was no reason for him to kill himself. And also, like, the whole Mor- Moriarty, like, MacGuffin was so dumb. Like, why did he kill himself? What the f- You know what I mean? Like, and then they, like, kept teasing it that he was going to come out, and then he didn't. And then it turned out, like, he killed himself because that was how he won the game. It was just, like, really confusing, convoluted. Like, one of the best characters in the show, I think, was Watson. But he's so downplayed consistently. Like, he's... A veteran who like actually has he has like experience in the field and he's and Sherlock treats him like a child just because he he sees words on the screen (laughs) just because he sees words in his head yeah I guess I don't know I didn't really think about it like that when I was in the super who walk phase I think the reason why it didn't age well for me is I don't know if this is it necessarily but the super who lock stuff kind of poisoned it a little bit like it kind of soured it for me where i was just like Ugh, this shit's kind of stupid yeah i wasn't really a fan of the fandom if that makes sense yeah like it felt like rick and morty fandom now yes like the way that they're kind of toxic in some way definitely but also like there's even a through line between them like rick is basically like a piece of shit sherlock but the difference is really that they're just awful people except rick is like truly awful and sherlock he's supposed to have like redeeming qualities but he doesn't actually you know what i mean like it's it's veiled qualities of like actually caring anyway so yeah so i thought the trailer looked cool and I, well i guess we'll get first impressions what did you think 
So my first impression was that I liked it. It kind of felt like it was all over the place most of the time. I don't know, it was just me. But I mean, it makes sense for like the content that like it is. Yeah, so I guess one of the reasons I, like the immediate reason I was interested in the show is because this feels like a direct extension of something like Sherlock. Because in Sherlock, particularly the new one, they bring back the character trait of him being like a drug addict. And he's never not been a drug addict. The character, I mean. So in this show, it has like the irreverence of Sherlock, but it's all about the drug addiction. It's kind of like, what if Sherlock wasn't a detective? It's just like, he's just like a raving lunatic. Yeah, while I was watching it, I was just kind of like, this kind of reminds me of Sherlock. And it's not just because it's Benedict, but also like the drug addiction. But also because it's Benedict, you know, like, I'm pretty sure he got this role. Well, one, because he's a huge actor at this point, but also because they saw his work on Sherlock and they're like, yeah, this motherfucker plays an addict pretty well, probably. Yeah, that's true. He was kind of like all over the place, but in a good way for like a drug addict it felt very deliberate like he was supposed to be that way you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't know like i think in some ways i think we'll get into maybe a little more later in the themes but this feels like like a grown-up version of sherlock you know what i mean like like an r-rated in some ways but it's not about solving crime it's about like him fixing himself which is probably the biggest mystery in this episode do you want to into a recap the first episode of patrick melrose it's about patrick who's a who's a drug addict and we get that from the very first scene who just got news that his dad died and he has to go pick up his body in america it's just like an introduction of every day in the life with him which is just him downplaying his addiction like saying he can get clean but he also has some sort of mental illness or some some illness brought on or onset by drugs so the entire show is just about a man struggling with drug addiction and his demons from his past one of the things that was like heavily apparent in the first episode was how stylish the show is and i think it draws from the film language that it's about drug addiction so we get a lot of scenes that reflect uh like fear and loathing like the fast motion of the show which fear and loathing kind of created the language for that which is just like really close shots and like looking around the room it kind of looked like they're wearing a GoPro, like POV kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we also get, like, extreme close-ups where they just zoom into things and, like, just shows. It makes you feel kind of OCD in some ways or, like, you're paying attention to a lot of what's going on on the screen. And then there's quick cuts, which reminds me of Requiem for a Dream, where, like, it makes you feel like you're high in some way. Like, when he was taking drugs and he was manic, they create that feel of what it's like to be high and like fidgety and kind of like your skin's crawling another thing i noticed was the fast motion stuff also train spotting so i think this show and the age is coming out now it's drawing from a lot of past media about drug addiction what about you did you want to point anything else out anything stylistically that stuck out to you i felt like it did just feel like you were on a trip with him the whole time which was cool to be like part of that because you kind of see like the world as he experiences it as opposed to like just being like a passive audience member like it kind of pulls you in i think one of the things that struck me a lot about this when you watch something like wolf of wall street you're drawn into that world because they're fucking terrible people yes but on the screen you're like oh that looks kind of fun you know like they're having like a good time or whatever 
But in this scene, and I think there's a scene that mirrors the Quaalude scene from Wolf of Wall Street. You've seen it, right? I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, actually. Okay, so there's like this very famous Quaalude scene from Wolf of Wall Street. It took 90 minutes for these little fuckers to kick in, but once they did, pow! I mean, I had skipped the tingle phase and went straight to the drool phase. These little bastards were so strong, I discovered a whole new phase. The cerebral palsy phase. So, he takes these quaaludes, and he's upset because they didn't kick in right away. And I think this, the scene from Patrick Melrose, is doing the exact same thing, where, like, he took two quaaludes. The first one, it got stuck in his throat, and he, he got warned by the drug dealer not to take him. And the second one, by that point, the first one had already kicked in, and, like, there's, like, that slow-down motion, or it's like, shoo! So... They have a scene in Patrick Melrose that very much mirrors this. And in the Wolf of Wall Street scene, it's it's him, like, trying to get inside his Lamborghini. And he literally is, like, on the floor, kicking up the door and, just, like, sliding in. So, in Wolf of Wall Street, that scene plays for laughs, right? You're looking at it, and it's hilarious based on, like, the context of the rest of the movie. But in this, like, it was kind of funny, like, how ridiculous it is. But it felt a little more pathetic. You know what I mean? Like, it felt more pathetic because in Wolf of Wall Street, the reason why that debauchery or like that drug addiction, which it is drug addiction, we should say, it feels okay is because he's like a high functioning drug addict. I mean, even if he's like what he was doing was terrible, he's a high functioning drug addict. In this show, he's like an actual addict that just has money. But he doesn't really have a skill. He doesn't really do anything. All he does is just do drugs. And he has that comfort, that privilege to do whatever he wants. Well, that's what we gathered from the first episode. I don't know if that's... Yeah, this is just from the first episode. Well, I think they're supposed to... Like, they're showing you that. Like, everything that he has wasn't really earned. Because he's a rich kid. And that's one of the things I wanted to bring up to you. Like, what do you think is happening in our current cultural climate in media where... There's a lot of shows coming out about rich people and the way rich people live. Recently, there's been Succession, which we reviewed last time. Billions came out not too long ago. And this show, there's a lot of media coming out showing, in some ways, like the perils of being rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think that says about like our current climate? I think it's just because like we're so interested in the way rich people live. Like, with social media and all that, we're so interested in what Kanye West has to say, or, like, what Selena Gomez posted on Instagram, or, like, shit like that. And, like, we don't really see, like, the behind the scenes of what their lifestyle really is, or, like, what they're really doing with this money. Like, when famous people die, everyone always brings up, like, oh, money doesn't bring you happiness, it's not all about fame, and all that stuff, and it's, like, that's true, like, we don't see, like, the background like fucked up versions of their lives like the struggles yeah yeah we don't and i think that's why there's like such a like a prevalent i guess like a skyrocketing or like an increase in not depression necessarily but like suicidal or like suicide and things like that yeah is that what you're saying well in terms of like rich people and like their lifestyles and it's a good thing you bring that up because it's often that with drug addiction, there is 
an issue about depression and suicide and like trauma there's always that and i think what you're likening and the thing that you're bringing up is interesting because you're saying that it's tied to this cult of celebrity meaning that like once you've achieved celebrity ship or like this this godhood of like the elites you have a new set of problems Mm -hmm. and just because you have achieved this life that's to most people to the people who aren't on olympus it seems like a life that's unattainable but the new issues that you start having is mental health issues because you're you were like a latchkey see okay so you're likening and i like i like that you brought this up and i think we can tie it together pretty well but kids of celebrities who have everything that they've ever wanted in life don't have to struggle in the same way for certain things sure they have to struggle with mental illness and things like that or no Sorry, let me backtrack. I think what we're 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 trying to channel or we're tra- what we're trying to strike and we're trying to like talk about is the fact that depression does not discriminate through class. Yeah. Like it it hits all of us no matter what. And once you've achieved a situation or an economic level, the other things that you used to worry about which is just like plain survival, now that's your biggest concern. Just mental well-being is probably one of the biggest concerns. And it's usually the people who have the highest rates of suicide are from relative privilege. And I think that's interesting because this show, although it's not directly about suicide, he is suicidal. And even in the first episode, he wants to, he thought about killing himself. Like he wanted to kill himself because he's dealing with like trauma. Yeah. And they also show like him as a child wanting to kill himself. So it's not just at this instant, like it's been a reoccurring thing for him since childhood yeah definitely and i also think that this show is more in line with so there's two ways of like presenting what it means to be rich and what it means to do drugs like for the most part what we've seen in drug drug addict representation is that that lifestyle bears no fruit like you're just gonna be a dead beat piece of shit but i think what wolf of wall street has done is it shows drug addiction but it also shows like what it could do to you in a not like ham-fisted way because i don't think wolf of wall street was like a moralizing story about what not to do whereas i think this show it's kind of taking it's taking a position of judgment in some ways like it's presenting him as a character that you care about but it's also showing like he's making his own problems in some way because like he's trying to escape his trauma but he's also i don't know see that i think that i'm judging him if i say that yeah because i was gonna say i didn't get that Like, I didn't get the whole judging him for, like, coping with his trauma in this way. I don't know, man. See, okay, so this is my difficulty with something like this, right? It's hard for me, and I think it's hard for most people, to sympathize with rich people who have problems like this. Because you're like, if I'm someone from a lower, or from, like, a lower economic class, and I struggle with issues of depression... And usually it's onset by like social ills or like cultural ills, which is like, you know, not being able to pay rent or not even not knowing when your next uh, the next amount of money is coming in for someone to have those same problems. A human response or like the empathetic response is to say these people are not so different from us. But because there's so much resentment between like the wealth divide, it's hard to sympathize or empathize with them. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, though, that I felt like his depression is just triggered by his trauma, like. I mean, they never really say what his dad did to him, but to me, it was pretty obvious that his dad molested him. So, I mean, how could you not 
sympathize with that. Like, yeah, like there's like the class. No, you can sympathize with him, but it's like it's more. It's one of those things where like, how do you feel bad for people who don't want to get help for themselves? You know what I mean? Like, at what point is it you stop caring about them? Because in order for you to get clean, there is an amount of will involved. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not. I'm no professional, and I'm not claiming to know. Like, I'm not claiming to, to be able to solve drug addiction, but it seems like he keeps perpetuating this, this drug addiction. One, like, the people who are around him are, I don't know how to word what I'm trying to say, but it's like, he needs to want to get clean, and he needs to be cut off from these resources. Because the reason he has so much access to drugs is because he's rich. So he needs to not have access to resources to acquire these drugs. And he needs to get clean. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to want to get clean, I should say. Yeah. And that's why I think, like, you sympathize for him. You empathize and sympathize for him more than you do, like, Jordan Belford, who is, like, scamming these people. But at the same time, like, you don't feel completely bad for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Like, because he's still, like, a degenerate. Like, you can have trauma and still be a piece of shit. Yeah, that's true. Just because he went through stuff in, in his childhood doesn't mean that he's allowed to, like, be awful to people. Like, he trashes the room and, like, he screams at people. Like, he's still responsible for his actions, even if he's under the influence. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I get what you mean. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I think the way the show is crafted, like, showing his past, it was done really fucking well. Um, there's, like, constant flashbacks to his childhood and how his dad, like, mistreated him. And I think what that does, intercut by, like, his constant drug use, is that it gives you, like, a direct correlation to how he's trying to escape. You know what I mean? Like, well, obviously it's saying that he he's trying to escape his past through drug abuse, but it also feels in some ways, and this is going to be weird probably, but it feels like time travel to me sometimes. Yeah. Like, it feels like when he was a kid, like, he time travel, or he just kept bouncing around his consciousness. Like, he didn't know what time was what because he's just not he has no grip on reality he's like constantly bouncing around in like bits of his memory like times where his dad abused him or like he had his mom there and i think the drugs i think the show is telling us that the drugs don't shield him from his past if anything they just make him lose more grip on reality you know what i mean yeah it kind of seems like the drugs themselves like trigger him to like remember his past like they kind of like make him relive it in a way yeah see but if if that's it does that make him like a masochist you know what i mean like is he chasing that is he chasing that connection with his dad like because i think one of the things that is important to know is that obviously he hates his father because he treated him so poorly but he also like he still wanted his dad to like be a dad like he still cared for him deeply in like a different way like in a way where it was just it was in spite he wanted his dad to care for him in spite because he was so awful to him you know what i mean i mean i don't know i, I kind of got that he felt I, I feel like you and i like got completely different things because i did not get that he cared for or wanted his dad to be a dad i don't know dude see okay all right the reason i'm bringing this up and i mean i know you don't have to leave this in the podcast but you recently suffered a loss yeah. And you had a specific history with your mom. Yeah. But at the end of it, and at the end of someone's life, no matter how terrible they are, they're still your parent. And 
at the end of it, you remember everything because you don't ever forget scars like that. And I don't think Patrick ever forgot the scars. But it wasn't until the final moment where he just completely breaks down, where everything comes flooding back. Like, he's just like, I just lost my fucking dad. Okay, so we should say that throughout the entire episode, he's pretty much high. If he's not high, he's jonesing for a fix. But he's never really sad that he lost his dad. There was one moment when he sees his dad where he has like a, a break and he cries for a little bit, but he qu- he quickly comes back. And it wasn't until the end where he calls someone and tells them that he's going to get clean that all his emotions, like the floodgates break and he just, everything comes out. Because at the end of it, he's still his dad and that's someone that's still a loss. It's a traumatic loss, whether or not he was a fucking piece of shit and he treated him like shit. That was still his dad. And on some level, some primordial level, he still cared about him. And that's why I'm saying that even if he treated him like shit, he still wanted him to be his dad. You know what I mean? Okay. It was kind of like a thing that he wanted him to be his dad in that sense. Like, uh, like if he could go back and like change everything. Yeah. If he's not weeping for his dad, he's weeping for the dad that his dad could have been. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What did you feel about the way that like wealth was portrayed? It just kind of felt like he was able to do whatever the fuck he wanted, whenever the fuck he wanted, just because he had money. Like, at the end, when he's leaving the hotel, like, after he's trashed it and, like, ruined so many things, and he's just paying it out, and he tells the guy, like, well, at least people can't say that I don't know how to party or some shit like that. Yeah. Like, it just seemed like he was so, like, he had no regard for anything at all. And I don't know if it was the wealth necessarily or the drugs, but it kind of seemed more like of a like a rich asshole vibe. Yeah, it could also be tied to like the fact that he's so dejected. He's I don't even know. Would you even classify him as depressed? I don't know if he's depressed necessarily. There's definitely some trauma that he needs to deal with. He also has like multiple personalities or like schizophrenia or something you know what i mean like his we should introduce the fact that he has a voiceover but it's several different voiceovers it's one voiceover like yeah one voice one voiceover is his dad one is like a posh english guy he has a nanny he also has like an american accent dude so there's a lot of different accents going on in his head and the way that the show is constructed is the voiceover talks and then he talks to it and i thought that was really clever and it was a good way to like engage the audience but also like throw them off because you're like what the fuck is happening yeah exactly yeah i mean he he definitely has some trauma and if he's not like a depressive he has like suicidal thoughts for sure yeah definitely because he he was like oh he wanted to jump out the window but he couldn't it was like boarded up but i think what the show accomplishes well is creating like an everyday life for him like just a day in the life I don't know, in a lot of ways, this felt like a movie. And I think it would have worked well if it's just like a movie. Because it was just like so bananas. And it would have been really depressing if it was just a movie. Because at the end of it, there's no real arc. And if anything, it's just the beginning to another cycle. Because the way that the show starts is him using, going through this moment of like, I'm going to get clean. And then right away, using again. And then another cycle of saying like, I'm going to get clean, using again, getting clean. And then in the end, he's like, I'm going to get clean. And then he just breaks down and starts crying. 
So I think there's a lot of like cycles going on in the show. I, we've already tackled some of the themes like inadvertently, but so what I wanted to mention about wealth was that it's showing that it's like it's not what it's cracked up to be, and it has these new set of problems which I mentioned already, which is that like just from an evolutionary standpoint, or just from an evolutionary point or perspective, once you achieve a level of comfort or of wealth, you no longer have to worry about the basics. We just start having what we mostly deem as like quote unquote first world problems where like you're just worrying about like why well, I'm so depressed or like things like that. You're not worried about like subsistence. You're not wor- or you're not worrying about just your next meal. You're worried about either something trivial or something like deeply, deeply traumatic or like mentally like a, a mental illness. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think his biggest problem is probably the fact that he has wealth. The reason why he can't get clean is because he's rich. And the reason why he probably won't ever get clean is because he's rich. And now that he has no real authority figure to stop him living that lifestyle, there's not much hope for him. You know what I mean? It might be even worse because, like, in one of the scenes, it's kind of revealed that, like, his dad had money and his girlfriend's kind of like, oh, does that mean that you're filthy rich now? And he's just like, oh, no, most of it's going to go to my mom. But, I mean, you know that he's still going to get, like, a... He's still going to get, like, a good chunk. Yeah. So, I think the drug use is probably the biggest part of the show. And Patrick uses drugs to escape his childhood. But, ironically, it also, like, takes him back to his childhood. His identity, and I think his biggest identity at the age he's at now, which is, like, middle age fucking man child i would say is a drug addict like he he revels in being a drug addict he revels in like the different feelings that drugs give him because it makes life okay it makes life livable and it helps him and i think in some ways like the drugs are his parents or the parents that he likes because they make things feel okay but they also mistreat them mistreat him too which is interesting because the drugs like help him escape from the things that he wants to get away from, but they also bring him right back to it and they mistreat him. So he's like reliving trauma through the things that's helping him escape that trauma. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the way he used drugs to kind of balance out his life or like his mood. So in that scene where he's talking to he's talking to his nanny, and he has that thing where he's basically becoming super sluggish and stuff off of quaaludes and then he goes to the bathroom and then like balances it out with cocaine yeah i just thought that was interesting like he's just kind of like oh well i'm down i'm gonna go up i'm up i'm gonna go down it's one of those things where like he just he's so cut off from reality that he only thinks about what's in front of him which is i need to get high now and this high is fucking me up so i need to think about how i'm gonna like balance that high out that's all he thinks about pretty much yeah that's his level of survival is just how to get high he's a high functioning drug addict but he's not though because he's not doing anything well not a high functioning sorry a functional drug addict but he's not even that he's very volatile i mean if he's left to his own devices he's he's gonna kill himself that's true that's one of the things i wanted to make sure to point out is the difference between Wolf of Wall Street is, like, the reason why people are functioning drug addicts is because they have so much drive. 
the only drive that Patrick has and the only drive that he's been set up to have is to want to do drugs. That's all he wants to do, really. He doesn't want anything else but to want to do drugs. I mean, he wants to do drugs and then all the things that, like, drugs make you want to do, which is, like, eat, sleep, and fuck. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to, like, write a book. He doesn't want to, like, sell stocks. He just wants to do those things. I kind of want to talk about, like, his father's death as, like, his new, like, revival. Like, his decision to, like, live life again. Not live life again, but, you know, like, once he hears of his father's death, he decides that he's gonna start over and, like, go clean and give up drugs. And that was kind of, like, his whole... That was his reason behind stopping his drug use. But that just kind of, like, backfires on him. What was his dad? Yeah, because as soon as he gets news of his of his dad dying, and he's talking to his girlfriend, he kind of decides that he's gonna stop taking drugs, and he kind of use uses the whole "well, my dad was alive, and my dad was a piece of shit, and that's why I used drugs all those years." You know what I mean? Yeah, now that is an interesting point because, like, he he thinks that now that his dad's dead, like, all the shit just like gets sucked out. Like everything is just healed all of a sudden. Yeah. But there's just the scars are so like deep that well one the scars are so deep but also like drugs have taken a complete hold of his life that it feels like he's just he just woke up from like a dream and he's just like oh well like now I can stop using drugs it was that easy but he can't. Obviously he can't. Like it's not that fucking easy. It takes people years and years and like constant struggles. Yeah. And it isn't, like, till the end where, like, he's kind of, not settled, but he's kind of accepted, like, that this stuff has gone on. And, like, he breaks down. That's when he finally decides, like, again, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get clean. Yeah, but it could also be the fact that, like, so throughout the episode, we saw him trying to get quote-unquote clean. But he realizes, like, he has, like, a moment of self-awareness where he's just, like, I can't get clean. Like, I I fooled myself into thinking I can get clean. Like, it could be that also. Mm. Like, it could be him lamenting the fact that, like, he did this to escape his father. And now that his father's gone, he doesn't need to do it, but he can't leave this new thing. Like, he can't leave drug addiction. Mm. Like, he can't leave drugs because it's taken over his life the same in the same way that his dad took over his life. I was also going to talk about how ironic it was that he was trying to get that window open the whole time. And then, like, finally, like, at the end where he's kind of, like, like, calmed down, like, he's okay, he's mellowed out a bit, it's finally open. You think it's, like, his body protecting him from death? I don't know. And the whole time I was like, how did that window get open? I don't know. I mean, it could be, like, his body protecting him from death, or it could be, like, he had no control over his faculties that he just, like, couldn't open it. But I think the show does a good job at, like, keeping you in the moment where he's high, where, like, you feel like this is actually happening, but you have no idea what's actually happening. Like, it's tricky. Like, you don't know what you, if what you're seeing is what you're seeing. What did you feel about Benedict's acting? I thought it was really good. Yeah, right? It just kind of blew me away. I was like, what the fuck? It was so good. I was gonna say, like, the whole time I just felt like I was legit watching someone just go fucking crazy on camera. And how did you feel about that? Like, in self-reflection, did you feel kind of gross watching it? Was it, like, voyeuristic watching it? It made me feel uneasy. 
Like, I felt kind of anxious watching it. Yeah, I felt like my, like my skin was crawling a little bit. And then I, I, I keep trying to drive this point home, but that's one of the stark differences between Wolf of Wall Street is, like, this didn't look fun to me. This just looked, like, miserable. Like, this didn't look like a good existence. This just looked, like, like sad. Like, every time he, he, was, uh, he was injecting himself, like, I cringed. Especially when he was at that guy's house and the light bulb goes out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. And that's the thing, like, okay, so there's a scene where he goes to get drugged from this other drug addict, and he goes to get heroin, so, is it heroin or crack? He goes to get heroin from this lady, and he's like, well, do you have a syringe? And she's like, yeah, I have one. And he's like, is it clean? And he's like, well, I, like, boiled it. She's like, I cleaned it or whatever. But it was, like, a very thick syringe. Yeah. So... He goes into the restroom and the light goes out, so he like pricks himself with this huge syringe. And one, the fact that he's so cut off that he doesn't think that like using a dirty syringe is ridiculous. Which, in hindsight, I should say that the show takes place in the '80s, which is like the height of crack and heroin and the AIDS crisis in the late '80s. So he wouldn't have that thought, I should say. But still, that even crosses like it crosses mind for a second that this could be an issue. Like, using a dirty syringe could be an issue. Yeah, he even dropped it in their bathroom. Oh my god, yes. I didn't even fucking remember that. He didn't just drop it in the bathroom. He dropped it in the toilet. He dropped it in the toilet and he just wipes it off on his shirt. When he decides to go clean, he bends his needles. Like, as soon as he does that, he pulls them back out of the trash can and unbends them. Oh my god. I just... Yes. That was so good. I cringed. Like, the whole... It's so... Ugh. It... it... I mean, I think things about drug addiction are always hard to watch because it's such a, like, shitty lifestyle. What everybody knows about Requiem for a Dream is that scene where he gets his arm taken off. Oh, I thought you were talking about the ass-to-ass scene. Well, no, like, the scene where he gets his arm taken off or, like, when you see his arm and it's, like, fucking gross and, like, all decrepit and, like, rotting. That's the kind of shit that, like, it's showing the truths of drug addiction. You know, I want to revise what I said. I don't think the show is taking, like, a judgment, but it's just kind of watching him in, like, this this way where it's just, like, staring. And I think the show, like, the camera work is supposed to be the audience. Like, we're just, like, staring at this person who needs help, but, like, we can't help him in some ways. Like, he doesn't want to get help, so we can't help him, so we're just watching. We're just watching him, like, destroy his body. Yeah. You also feel anxious because you... Like you said, you can't help him. You feel helpless yourself because, like, you see all this madness that he's going through. Yeah. I don't know. This is this is a good one, though. I, re- I just had so much to say about it, and I thought that it was, like, a really well-constructed show. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the things, some of the little things that I really liked was, uh, like, you brought up the fact that he would unbend needles when he was getting clean. Mm-hmm. And they don't show him injecting again. The only thing they show is, like, a quick, like, millisecond of a shot. Of him putting on his coat and you see that he has like fresh, freshly like picked or freshly like uh, syringe veins or, or uh, el- like his inner elbow was like freshly injected. And I'm like, that's a great way of showing, like implying that he just did it without having to show it. Yeah. Like it, without having to say that like he's still an addict. Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot of those little verbal cues or like visual cues, I should say, that just works so well to create this world of drug addiction like this seedy world of like the 80s and not really understanding the height of what 
drug addiction is. And I think another thing we should know is that, like, the biggest obsession, and there will continue to be the biggest obsession with the 80s. And as we've talked about in the last podcast with Barry, is that there's there's different ways of showing the 80s, right? There's the good side and the bad side. The good side is, like, oh, like, look look how happy we are and look at how nerdy things are or whatever. And the bad side is things like this where, like, drug addiction really destroyed people's bodies. And it's not just the people who just, like, it's not just everyday people. It's rich people. And another thing that this show does, which people don't like to think about, is that it's kind of showing the side of drug addicts and the ways that they kind of glide through society and don't get into shit for using drugs mm-hmm. and it shows the way that it shows it by not showing it by not showing them that people of color or like black people and latino people who use drugs they were heavily heavily policed for using drugs and they were sentenced to sometimes life sentence for minor drug offenses while this dude is doing every drug under the fucking sun and he's not criminalized at all because he has well yeah, there's a point where he talks to the funeral director and he he basically tells him, like, yeah, sorry, like, I'm on Quaaludes right now. And he's just kind of like, oh. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's such a difference between, like, the way rich people use drugs and the way, like, poor people use drugs. One of them is heavily policed, like, federally policed. And the other one is just like, oh, well, there's just recreation. There's that much privilege shown. In something so simple as like using drugs, and I think that the show shows like how easy it is to do drugs as a white person. Let's get into the ratings. We usually do the broken TVs, which is a concept I came up with for no reason. So from one to five, how many broken TVs is the show? I think the show really makes you care about Patrick. Also. Benedict's acting just makes you... What's his name? Benedict. Bendy Dick. Bendy Dick Cumbersnatch? Yeah. His acting just kind of reels you in. And you get so involved in what's going on. Yeah, you're like heavily invested. Yeah, you're really invested. And I think it's a really interesting thing showing the way people deal with trauma or don't deal with trauma. And the effects that that has on them. Yeah. For their life and stuff like that i just thought it was a very good representation of like drugs and what they do to you and how it fucks with your whole life in a sense the acting was amazing yeah i agree and i'm probably gonna continue watching yeah me too i think i'm gonna give it a 4.6 that's a pretty good score yeah well i think it's a fair score yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's like a really, really well constructed first episode, and I mean that's what we do here. We, we review the first episode, but like the entire like it sets up what this entire series is gonna be about just from the first episode. Like you know, it's gonna be about a dude who does drugs, and you know, it's gonna be about him dealing with drug addiction. It was just such a powerful first episode. It refutes the notion that Wolf of Wall Street started, which is like, hey. Drugs are really fun and you can get rich. But this is someone who's already rich and does drugs and shit is not working out for him. Bendy Dick Cumbersnatch's acting was fantastic. Like, I haven't seen him act this good 
since like the imitation game. I like the editing. I like the the style of the show a lot. I thought the writing was really well constructed. The visual cues were nice. The music that they used was, was good. And the sound design was really good where like sounds were really amplified and things like that. But overall, yeah, I thought it was a really strong episode. I'm going to go with like a 4.5. Okay. 4.5 broken TVs. And I'm glad that it's a five-part miniseries because it, sh- it should just be like a small story about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't have dragged this out. I feel like that would have been dumb on their part. Yeah, it's too intense. So I guess we don't have to do the predictions. We should introduce a new segment. Maybe we could predict if, like, at the end, like, he's actually going to get clean or not. Nah, I don't think so. I think it's going to end in him dying. I don't know why. I think he's either going to die or, like, overdose and, like, be hospitalized or something. Yeah. Yeah, anything else you want to cover? Mm, Nope. No? That's it? You want to call it quits? All right. All right, well, this was 15... We'll see you at 16 with possibly a new name or something. Passengers, we have landed. Bye. Peace.